Today is the second day of Advent, and in the Catholic tradition, the second day, we, second Sunday, we actually uh, light the candle uh, of preparation. Uh, the candle of preparation is also called the, the, the Bethlehem candle. And it reminds me of that, reminds us of that long and arduous track that Joseph and Mary, with Jesus in Mary's womb, took from uh, Nazareth to Bethlehem. It was a terrible trip, actually. It was a terrible trip. And in Bethlehem, Jesus was born in a stable that was probably the most, the smelliest, the dirtiest, the stinkiest, the most ill-equipped place um, that you could find. I was reading an article about how you have poop upon poop. There is, and it's not clear. And it's the stinkiest place. It's, it's unimaginable. Yeah? The stable, it's, not, it's a small space. And we don't have the kind of stables that we, we see in Christmas cards and romanticized uh, children's books uh, on Christmas. What we have is a dump. And I mean dump in every sense of the word. A real dump. And Jesus, born, would have been sub, um, subjected to the germs and the un, unhygienic uh, conditions of a terribly oppressive place uh, in Bethlehem. It is in this place where he experienced himself the gloom of the worst place to actually be placed uh, for a baby. And it is in this place we actually remember him. It reminds me of the fact that in the Advent before Christmas, there is a gloom that's there. For the Lord shines in the darkness, and it is in the gloom that God prepares us to see him. Yeah. Today I'd like to talk about that preparation uh, as we look in Luke chapter 1. Let's have a look at this. Um, Luke chapter 1 is quite a while before Jesus is born. Yeah? But there is a certain preparation that was going on um, in the life of Zacharias and Mary. Please turn with me to Luke chapter 1. And it's worth in this season, reading a little bit in excess of the text that I was actually wanting to preach for, because uh, it's good to be reminded of that. Verse 5, Luke chapter 1, reading from verse 5, we're reading around the, the, the focused text that we are going to be using. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, yeah, so she's a priestly uh, uh, stock, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple for the of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. This, this, uh, this roster was one in which um, the priest, if he's on duty then, is on duty for several weeks. Yeah, for so several weeks, actually months as well. 
So during that time, he is not with his wife. He is actually alone with the other priests doing the dedicated work of sacrifice, fasting and all that, right? There is no way he could actually have a child during that time. Right? There's absolutely no way. So many of us who have read ahead know that the, 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 the angel promised him that there, was be a, there would be a child that would be born. There was no way that could actually happen, not while he was on duty, yeah, on his roster. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 11, And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right of the altar of incense. So remember, the, Luke is very particular. Yeah? He's very particular about geography, about space, about time, about events. He's a, he calibrates things, right? Luke is accurate, precise in his accounts. And so he says, this is an angel who came, and he actually came spatially. Yeah, he actually came. You can actually say, he was sitting here, or he was standing here. He was not there, but he was here on the, on the what, what does it say, on the right of the altar of incense. You could actually locate him in space and time. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. Yeah, that the, that uh, John Baptist would be filled with the Holy Spirit while in his mother's womb. Yeah? So he's not just a human life that deserves, deserves to be protected, but he's a divine life. He's filled with the Holy Spirit in the mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous or the spirit of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, this is very interesting how he words it, how will I know this for certain? Yeah? How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Yeah? I'm standing in the presence of God. And, and, and Luke says he's, speak, he's standing to the right of the altar. So there's something of the presence of God in a real geographical, physical location. Which means that Zacharias was standing in the presence of God as well. Okay? But Zacharias doesn't seem to have noticed that or be affected by that. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their proper time. And the people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. 
And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, confinement, right? Saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Among men. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Gal- Galilee named called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. A better translation actually, many scholars say, a better translation is, no word of God is devoid of power. When a word comes, it it contains power. For no word of God is devoid of power. How shall it happen? By the word, which has its own power. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord may be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let us pray. Lord, we welcome your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you are here. In all your fullness, all your graciousness, all your glory. That any moment now, miracles can happen. You are completely free and Lord over this time. We recognize and discern your visitation, your presence with us. And so we welcome you, Lord, to this feast that you are hosting and not us. Thank you for making us your guests. And so we ask you that you speak to us and put that which is substantial in us, Lord, from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Zechariah was going to bear the one who prepared the way of the Lord. Yeah? And so the second day of, of preparation, the, the candle of preparation, is about that preparation. This is a preparation that had happened long before Jesus was born. Yeah? Long before, more than nine months before Jesus was born. And there's a way in which as we get ready and prepare for Christmas, there, is, there are very important, very substantial, crucial things that take place in the days before Christmas. And that's what we celebrate. Yeah? And what we see here is the preparation of a man for the coming of not only his own son, but the coming of the Lord Jesus, and that's Zechariah. I believe that there is, in this, in this time of preparation, very crucial things that will determine what our life will be like in the future. And it's very interesting that um, in Zechariah, we see the loss 
of speech, of divine supernatural speech in Zechariah. He was rendered muted. He was muted. I, I was struck by that. And I wondered, what mutes us? What takes away supernatural speech from us? Because what God had intended for Zechariah and intends for all of us is supernatural speech. Prophetic speech. Speech that's filled with words in which nothing is impossible for God. What would rob us from such words? In some ways, Zechariah's problem is the problem of the church today. Because the church, even though all has been prepared for us, we have the feast, it lacks supernatural speech. I mean the speech that causes things to happen. Speech that's spoken before the event happens. Speech that is revealed by God. I don't think I would continue being a Christian if there was not supernatural speech. It would be too boring. It would be too fuddy-duddy. Too religious. I would not find... I just don't understand religious people. They, they would come to church every day, every Sunday, and they have no supernatural speech. They don't move in the supernatural realm. They don't not close to the presence of God. What's it all for? I admire them somehow, somehow because they are willing to do that to, to receive so little for coming to church every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. I don't understand why people would do that. In fact, I do understand that many people are not doing that anymore. The culture has lost its Christian presence. Of course it would, right? Who would want to come for church where supernatural speech has been lost. If it's not supernatural, what for? You know? <laughs> I can't get it. But Zechariah is a picture of the loss of supernatural speech. The speech of the presence of God. It's the loss of the, the presence and the apprehension or the, the discerning of the presence of God, of the visitation of God. Something happened to Zechariah that was part of that preparation that God wanted to break into. And so today I thought it would be great for us to actually, in this spirit of, 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 of Advent, where God gives us an, a, a, a vivid chance to actually receive the Lord Jesus in all His glory, His power, and all that again. How about that, Yeah. I tell you, I know so many people who during a Christmas season were transformed. They became on fire, supernatural speakers on a Christmas time. And I believe that Christmas time, that is a better gift than just whatever. Yes, yes, whatever. Whatever, yeah. I would say much, but better not. There is a way in which this period, if we uh, discern Advent, can be a period of preparation to receive supernatural speech. Now, so Zechariah come, is, is confronted by the angel. 
and does not realize that with the angel, with, with angel Gabriel's visitation, Zechariah is in the presence of God. He doesn't realize that. His loss of sensitivity to the presence of God is linked with his mutedness. Right? They're two, two parts of the same thing. There was something about Zechariah was miss, that was missing, and we want to get to it because we don't need to be, we don't, we don't need to lose our supernatural speech. Neither do we need to lose the, the discernment of the presence of the Lord because when someone knows the presence of the Lord, things happen. They may not be good speakers, but things happen. They know how to move with the presence of God. Yeah? We all, the world needs that. The, lo- the world is in tremendous need today. The people that you're arguing with, they're in tremendous need. And God wants to do that. Let's have a look at this. The angel comes to Zacharias and tells him some really good news. But Zacharias is locked in to the facts of his circumstance. Look at verse uh, eight, 18. Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And so what Zacharias responds to the words of God that has power is that he is locked in to the facts of his situation, his circumstance. He is saying, the facts of my circumstance are so powerful, so strong, that I'm locked into it. I'm predetermined. I can't get out of this. So that whatever you say, whatever God words have said, I cannot overcome the circumstance that I'm in. I am too old. I am too old. My circumstances are more vivid, more real, more concrete than even the words of an angel. Wow. And I would put it to you that in terms of what Zechariah was, uh, was, Zechariah was expe- experiencing, we also face that. We face circumstances that have a lock on us. People who have a lock on us. Relationships that have a lock on us that make us somehow the exception for the coming to pass of God's Word. It can come past in everybody else's, everybody else's, everyone else's life, except me because I'm locked into the real facts of my circumstance. And so what Zechariah says is this, you've got to understand, I need better proof than you coming to me and telling me this stuff. I need more because what I need has to overcome the facts of my circumstance. I am already old. There is no possibility for me to have a son. There is absolutely no, no possibility. Even though an angel is in front of me, the, 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 the locked-in situation that I'm in is more real. Correct? Now, to be honest, to be honest, we face tremendous facts of circumstance. They are very strong, right? They lock us in. Or else we will be much more free to speak. 
The fact of the other people that we are talking about, the people that we do not want to offend or the people who can come against us, is real. The fact of time, the fact of our weakness, the fact of the fact that we are depleted, the fact of, 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 of our lack of resources, the lack of strength, the lack of self-confidence, the fact of laws, the fact of rules, the fact of society, the fact of circumstances that press in on us, that is a, that is a real thing. And I just want to pit these two things together so that we just get this, this, this antinomy clear. There are the Word of God and His supernatural speech. And then there's, on the other hand, the locked-in circumstances we're in. Okay? Things have happened. You can't change that. There are people who are, who are, who are against you, perhaps. And you can't change that. And, and that, what Zechariah says is this. How can I know for sure? What he's saying is this. Whatever God words you tell me, I need proof. Okay, I need proof. And that proof must work in the realm of my logic, my, my, my observation of things, my experience of things. It must break in that. If you can prove to me in natural ways, in my mind, so that it's logical, so it's rational, then I can believe you. But I can't believe you because I need to know for certain. I need to know for certain. That means my certainty needs to be stronger than the certainty of the facts of my, my circumstance. I don't want to belabor this point, but what, what, he's basically, what we are seeing is that Zechariah is trapped, he's locked in. Okay. Now, I want to put it to you that most Christians are locked in because if they were not locked in, they would be much more free. They would not be muted. They would not be held back. But because of the fact that I believe that many Christians are living in the same realm as Zechariah, they can't see the spiritual reality. The locked-in circumstances are much more real to them than the presence of angel. What say you? Okay, but we must, we must isolate that problem. We must have a look at it and look at it really real. Okay? Because many Christians may be doing it wrongly in this way. They're trying to believe God for great things, good things to happen, but they want it all transposed into the realm of their minds so they can understand it. And if they can understand it, then they can have certitude, right? Certainty. For sure. What they're saying is this, certainty only comes when I can logicalize it and make it something that, I can, that makes sense in my mind. What say you? Right? So what he's saying is this, I must know for certain. What he means by for certain is that I must be assured by logic that it can happen within the natural realm. And the angel says, you are wrong there. Because you are in the presence of God and you don't know it. You have not been sensitized to God. Something's up with you, Zacharias. 
Because even though I'm here and I'm in the presence of God, therefore you are in the presence of God, you are desensitized from it. You are locked into your situation to such an extent that you refuse to come out of that place that God has to come into your situation, your locked-in situation, and prove it to you in that locked-in way that He's real. I'll put it to you that the key to experiencing supernatural speech, miracles happening in our life, is you have to come out of that. You cannot, you cannot experience the realm, the, the realm of God's power from the natural realm. If you stick to and adhere to and are loyal to that place, if you don't come out of that, you will forever try experience God's wonderful power, but you will always reduce it to something smaller, something human, something that is natural and not supernatural. All supernatural words that are filled with power will be reduced to theology. I'm all for theology, by the way. But I mean by, what I mean by that is the reducing of everything to something that can be understand, understood humanly with a logical mind. We call it logicalizing. Now the Bible is logical. But logicalizing is a word that means you reduce it to something that could be understand, understood within limited data. What say you? Sometimes some people think, I, I, I don't want to criticize music, okay? But there's nothing like jazz. There's nothing like jazz. You may not like it, but you can't play it because you're not good enough. Unless you're really good enough. I can't play it because I'm not good enough. For those who are, built, who, are, who are raised on country and western music, you can count time very easily, right? One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. You do pop, same thing. Okay? So I'm not criticizing it. As I say, it's easy. It's logical, right? So when you're off time, you can tell very easily. Not with jazz. You need to know how to count in a very sophisticated way. You need to have the heart, and it's not enough just have the feel, you've got to have the feel and the mind for it too. Does that make sense? That's why there's nothing like jazz. Right? Other kinds of music, they're fine. They can touch your heart, but jazz is difficult. It's more complex. I'm not saying it's better, I'm just saying it's more complex. So when I listen to jazz, there are many times in which it feels to me that it's out of time. Because my sense of time is very simple. It's very, very rudimentary. It's kindergarten sense of time. But those who play jazz can count in a way that I can't. I missed that, that boat. I wish I could, but it's too late. Oh, oops. I'm sounding like Zacharias. It's just too late. <laughs> because it's that difficult, right? But it's logical. In fact, it's a higher logic than pop or country of Western or whatever, right? It's a higher logic. 
Logicalizing has to do with taking the logic and making it real simple. And what Zacharias and Christians want to do is to make it understood in such a way that the mystery, the power, the awesomeness of it begins to be smaller. You can understand it, you can get a handle on it, makes sense, but it's a lot smaller. Just and I think we have a problem because these kinds of people become leaders because they are smart enough to be logical. Those people who are often much more complex, much more brilliant, are thought as not brilliant. That's why when you, when you, when you, when you read, this is a little bit of an excursus, you read the, the Desert Fathers, okay, you read the, they're brilliant, you know. They'll think your socks off. You think they're, you think they're too mystical? They think, you think they're, 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 they don't know anything? They're just all faith and all that? You don't understand. They are smarter than you. The three the, 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 the Cappadocian fathers, they are one of the most brilliant ever, ever, theologians ever. Gregory, Gregory of Nanzianzen, Gregory of Nyssa, and Basil the Great. These are fantastic. Who are able to talk about the Trinity in such a way that it's logical, but the mystery is still kept. Their, their level of, of, of thinking is a much higher one. I want to put it to you that Zacharias' level of logicalizing is of a lower form. And in order for us to understand the things of God, you have to be not dumber, but smarter. And even that is not enough. You need revelation. Does that make sense? Now what I want to put it to you is this. The reason why Christians today are miserable is because Christian leaders are logicalizers. They got their life all well, 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 well put together and all that. But you don't see the miracles of God in their life. They can explain spiritual things, but they make it into something smaller. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. I'm, I don't, don't ever want to become that, that, that anymore because I've been that way. Does that make sense? Zechariah was a righteous man, but his logicalizing reduced everything to, I need to know this for sure. What he means by that is that he needs to have the sureness that is understood within his country and Western music. Not to, not to, not to, oh boy, I'm going to be in trouble now. The simple timing, 4-4 four, four timing, 3-4 timing. Okay. It's not jazz. It's just not jazz. And so, the angel comes to him and he says, you know, your problem is not that you're not smart or that I'm not smart or that I'm asking to believe something in which your mind is not engaged. Your problem is that your logicalizing is too simple and it depends upon everything going through your own arbiters of truth. You have to have some other faculty in order for you to know how to move in the things of the Spirit. Amen? You know how to count, be you have to count better. You have to be in some ways more logical. Your logic 
misses a lot of data points. It's just like Newtonian science and the modern science of Einstein and Niels Bohr and quantum. It's not enough. And so what I want to put it to you is this. There are reasons why we can sometimes um, find that we are muted, that no supernatural speech comes out of us because we are locked in. We are locked in from below as a result. And God, in His grace and His great love, wants to set us free. Amen. Amen. Gabriel said, you're in the presence of God. You're in the heavenlies you don't know. He was locked in because he's too old, he's too late, too shriveled up, whatever, too lacking. And so he is more aware of circumstances, the, the, the facts of his circumstance, rather than the awareness of God. And one of the first things that God begins to do is to set us free from that. Yeah? He needed his mind to be circumcised. Yeah? What did Jesus say? You're, circum- you're uncircumcised in mind and heart. Your, your mind and your heart is not circumcised. You've not been set free. Very interesting. There's a way in which our senses can be so caught up in the facts and the, and the realities that we are going through in the flesh that sometimes what God has to do is to refresh us by slicing that top layer off, by pruning us. In the, some of us have been getting this word from Job chapter 14. There is hope for a tree, or when it is cut down, yeah, when it's sliced off, there will be sprouts that will be able to follow the scent of the water. Psalm 17 says, the, 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 the anointed one will be like rain coming down on mown grass. That means the grass has been cut. And when it's cut, grass is cut, you can smell the grass, right? You can receive the, the rain. And sometimes what is what's needed is a circumcision so that you are not bound up with the things of the world, the things around you, the people and your obligations to them, the illegitimate obligations to them. And so what, what um, Gabriel was saying is this, you need to be resensitized to the presence of God. Yeah? And so sometimes what God does is this, He does that. When we are too aware of people, we are more aware of their sensitivities than God's sensitivities. And I see this, because what happens is that the Christian culture can develop a reduced form of, of love. Instead of the love that is of God, we create a community in which it's our own love. And in this kind of community, we are more sensitized to each other than to the way in which God wants to bless each other. What say you? I was telling, t- uh, telling a group, uh, actually I may have said it last Sunday, but I'm going to say it again. We were having lunch with somebody who was a Muslim. 
And as we talked about it, talked about Christ and about, you know, just his life, I had realized that he had come, been coming to the church for a while. He was Muslim. And so I asked him, has anybody talked to you about receiving the Lord, how, about becoming a Christian? He said, no. I said, not even VCF? He said, no. He said, the people in VCF are very nice, but they never tell me how I could become a Christian. And I said, let's do it. We were in Banmi, the first place, right? And we prayed, and he received the Lord. Right? And I looked at the person who was sitting next to him, who was a VCFer. And I asked, not anymore. I said, did you not talk to him about it? He said, no. And this guy went, looked at him and said, why didn't you? For so long, he had been coming. And he had almost given up hope that he could become a Christian. That coming to church for so long, he never found somebody who could tell him how he can become a Christian. Because we are overly sensitized. But our sensitivity is imagination that is not from God. It is our own imagination just banging around each other. It's a solipsism of talking to each other and allowing our sensitivity to become the voice that we hear. It's not a voice from the outside of, outside of our own locked-in system. So there and then, we received, he received the Lord. We had a great lunch. The lunch was better than it could have been. No matter how good their fur is. The fur is good, but after he, uh, coming to the Lord, he could not stop talking. He says, I, am, I was so um, angry with my country that had given nobody an opportunity to become Christian. But I received dreams. And I asked around. And I asked my family. And my family said, you cannot talk about these kind of things because you'll be in trouble. And he said to, and, and, and he said to us, he says, I'm going to talk about this because I must know the truth. And I don't care what happens. And he was not afraid about what, what, what people are going to do to him because he wanted to know the truth. And we didn't know it. We knew something else. You know what we knew? We knew that we were supposed to be sensitive. We were sensitized to the things around us. But we did not have supernatural speech or the discernment of God's presence when He's moving. Praise God. He became a Christian. And He shared about how God had been coming to Him in dreams. And He said, you know, that where I come from, there are many hundreds of Christians that I know who have received visions of the Lord Jesus. Nabi Isa. Nabi Isa comes to them in white and speaks to them and talks intimately with them. And I had that. Then Nabi Isa came to me and said, go to America. You will find how to become a Christian. And I have something for you there. Wow, isn't that amazing? It all came out in fur. Just fur. The presence of God was there. 
We almost missed it. We also almost missed it. So what I want to put it to you is this. Not only is that true, but for our silence, for our mutedness, because of our own hypersensitivity to our surroundings and our lack of sensitivity to God, what has happened is this. Our world around us has spun out of control. Liberalism tells us there is freedom with or without God. And the great thing about liberalism is that it gives us freedom to do our thing. Right? Everybody has the right to do their thing, regardless of God. But liberalism in the 18th century lost its God and said, we by ourselves have rights and we have value. And we don't need God to give us value. We have value in and of ourselves, so we should value the freedoms of each, on, uh, each other person. But we don't need necessarily God to actually make that the basis. The problem with that is this. Because of the fact that there is no God bes- underneath our social contract, the freedom that everybody has becomes a freedom that's a godless freedom. The freedom to do whatever you like with your body. The freedom to be anything you say you, want, you, you are. The authority to be your own authority. The authority to be untrammeled, unmolested by anyone who says that Jesus is the way. We've allowed ourselves to be so muted that we don't have liberalism now. What we have is speech that has become policed. Our speech is policed. And you and I have the truth that can set people free. Because we have waited for so long, we are going to have to pay the price if we love our, love, our, our, our lost friends enough. Because the situation has turned out today that there is no longer freedom of speech, but there is a thing we call hate speech. Now, there's a lot of it that is legitimate. Don't get me wrong. I'm against hate speech. We have plenty of it. We have more than enough of it. But we are losing our chance to speak the truth that will set men and women free. I don't care about us. It's the people that need to be set free. Right? We already have Christ. Die with, live or die, we already have Christ. But there are others who are going to live without Christ that are going to die without Christ. You and I have to be not muted. Because there's a way in which the, the, the balance of power has changed. The spiritual atmosphere has changed. And so you will have to pay a price for the truth. The time is far gone. 
The good thing about that is that because we have to pay the price to speak the truth and to believe the truth and to set captives free and speak supernatural speech, God will release the anointing, as great anointing upon us. Amen? We are living in the last days, I believe, in which the anointing of God will increase upon them because they suffer. Because they have to suffer for their truth. And I don't mean their truth as a subjective thing. So there's a way in which we have come to a place in which we are muted more than we know. I would put it to you that the muting of um, Zechariah came about because he felt so locked into his situation, more aware of his situation than aware of the angel and the presence of God. And as a result of that, he was silenced. And God said to him, you have nothing to say, Zechariah. You have nothing to say. Because everything that you say will have come from this logicalizing, locked-in situation in which everything has to be transposed and become reduced to your logical findings. But God had grace upon Zechariah. Actually, by telling Zechariah, keep quiet, I think he was good. Because he'll be talking on nonsense, he'll be blathering all kind of nonsense, right? How, how will I know for certain? How will I know for certain? You Christians, you don't know anything. You're just, just irrational, subjective and all that. I want to know for certain. And God said, sit down, please. Think about it. I'll do a work upon you. And that was good because later on, God gave him revelation and he prophesied wonderfully, beautifully, isn't it? Circumcised, be circumcised, be set free from your allegiance to people. Because you will know a greater love when you are set free from them. You cannot love fully unless you are set free from the person you love fully. And you will have to lay down your life for them, them, members of your family. You will have to lay down your life. Time has far gone. Yeah, but we have to. That God calls us for that. Amen? I know I have notes here. All right. In Second Corinthians chapter four, verse thirteen, he said, We have the we having the same spirit of faith. According to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We believe, therefore we speak. We are talking about speech that comes from believing, right? Conviction. We're not talking about speech that comes from hearing theology or hearing things from this pulpit and then it stays somewhere out there so that our only connection to that, to that speech is, is an intellectual, con- conceptual connection with the Word of God. What, uh, what uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 verse 13 says is this, we believe, therefore we speak. Yeah? We believe, therefore we speak. And what he's talking about is something beyond that external, externality of words that are out there that we in our head believe. We say, okay, I give assent to it. What Paul is talking about is this word that is not divided... No word of God is devoid of power, right? This word coming on the inside so much that we believe 
Therefore, because we believe it so much, we can speak. We are not able to speak because we don't believe it. We don't have conviction about the Word. Because the Word always remains logicalized. It remains out there as something that is a good lesson. And so many times in Christian, in Christian life, we say, okay, let's, practical, let's be practical about it. Let's apply it and do it. But what we do is that we apply it in natural ways, not faithful ways. Full of faith. And so what, um, what, what Paul is saying is this. To be able to speak, supernatural speak, the speech, the speech in which things come to pass, right? Things are heard from heaven. Their source is from heaven. So that when you hear that speech, it comes into you, it comes on the inside of you, it builds up inside you, it doesn't remain an accurate word uh, that you've, you heard right, but it becomes you. It becomes enfleshed. Amen? Unless it's enfleshed, you will still be muted. How many devotions have you had in which you keep quiet about it? How much have you heard in which you, 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 you understood the word of the Lord and God actually spoke of you, but you kept quiet about it. It was unfruitful. What Gopal is saying is about a certain belief in which it got eaten up. And when it got eaten, it became so much a thing of, of conviction that the conviction was stronger than the locked-in facts of his circumstance. So he says, I believe, therefore I spake. King Jesus, I believe, therefore I spoke. And, there's, and so what's happening is that Zechariah doesn't believe. He heard it, right? He did get a word from the Lord, right? But he, didn't, he couldn't speak. He was muted because of the fact that he didn't believe it. And so what God is saying, what was saying to Paul is this, it is when we believe that we can speak. You and I have to work on our, not only our hearing, but our receiving that word. Because you can hear and you can even hear accurately from God and you have all kinds of words from God and all that. But it doesn't do anything because it's not received. It's not believed. Yeah? Now, here's the thing. Let's look at um, Mary. Because Mary asks the same question, how can this be? I'm a virgin. Let's look at it, okay? Um, the angel came to Mary, Gabriel, same one. Verse 4. Mary, sorry, verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel asked her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative uh, Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age and she will be called, who is called barren, is now in a six-month pregnant for nothing will be impossible with God because nothing of God's word is devoid of power. And Mary said, I don't know how this actually works. I can't pump myself up. But anyway, I'm your bond slave. Do what I want. No pump up, no pump up, you know. Not trying to stir up the, the, the faith in her. She just says, I surrender to you. Amen. Based upon the fact that no word of God is devoid of power. That means that word of God would come to pass whether you believe it or not. If you don't believe it, you don't get to speak it. You'll be muted. What God, the angel, uh, promised to Zechariah came to pass. It's just that he was 
denied the privilege of speaking supernatural speech, of prophesying that I will have a son. He missed it. But the thing came to pass. So God comes to Mary and says, um, you're going to have a you're going to have a baby. Mary says, you know, I'm a virgin. How is, how is that possible? He says, well, every word of God is not devoured of power, devoid of power. What Mary had to understand is this. Whether she believed it or not, the word of God had power. You can kick it around, it'll still have power. You can believe it, it'll still have power. If you don't believe it, it'll still have power. If you don't believe it, you just don't get to talk. You'll be muted, that's all. You've got no ministry. You, you, can't, you, you can't manifest the, the glory of God. You just keep quiet. And when it happens, he says, oh yeah, I had an impression about that long ago. Why didn't you say it before? Because you're scared. Because you didn't believe it. Does that make sense? God has called us to give supernatural speech. Zechariah lost his ministry because he didn't believe. He didn't lose his son. Right? He lost his ministry to be able to speak because he didn't believe. And so what happens is this. Mary comes and hears the same thing, total impossibility, and the ground of it coming to pass was a complete zero. No possibility of it actually happening. And, and Mary says, how is this possible? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the, 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 the hand of Most High will overshadow you. Wow, I like that. That's how we, we experience supernatural speech. How is it going to happen? The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. We are in a, in a society that doesn't want to be overshadowed. We want to be exposed. I want to be known. We do everything we can to be known. As far as I know, in the Bible and New Testament, to be known means to be known in the Colosseum. Fed to the lions. That's being known. There is something in us that wants fame. Mary said, the, Holy, the, the angel Gabriel said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow, hide you. And it's not you who will be known, God will be known. It will be God's fame, not you. Yeah. He says, but no word of God is devoid of power. You know what that means? I can rest in Him. I can rest in Him whether I can on a good day believe or on a bad day not believe. In my doubt, I just rest in Him because I rest on the fact that the Word of God has power to do whatever it wants. I just surrender to it. Whatever my feelings are to it, whether I, can, I feel it or not, I'm feeling it or not, I rest on it because it has objective power in and of itself whether I believe it or not. We need to not focus on our belief. We're going to focus on the Word. Because if I focus on my belief, I'll be second-guessing myself. Am I believing or not? Did I believe enough, enough or, or not? No. The belief is not in yourself's belief. Your faith is not in faith. Your faith is in the Word of God. And there are going to be times in which you don't have the faith. There are going to be times in which you're doubting like crazy. And you're in deep depression. But the Word of God has power whether you believe it or not. Amen? And because of that, we obey, not out of our feeling, 
not out of our logicalizing because it makes sense to us and everything and all the duckies are all, all lined up and all that, but because of the fact that His Word has power. If that is the case, then I want to know when He speaks. I don't want to do things out of the logic of my own reasoning. I want to be able to have a different kind of way of, of, of knowing things when He whispers in my ear. When my whispers in my ear. And sometimes the whisper that He gives is softer than the loud jangling of people's demands that I believe them in a certain way. Act to us in a certain way. Say certain things in a certain way. Don't say certain things in a certain way. The Holy Spirit marries. See, Mary's not a big talker, right? As far as I know. Maybe she was. But as far as I know, Mary did not say anything. She says, how shall this be? And then the angel just went on a tirade. No word of God is devoured of power. And Mary just had to rest in the word of God. The next morning, probably she woke up in the next morning's cup of coffee, she felt, what is this? Oh no, I feel depressed. And all the recrimination that was coming for her, being a virgin who's pregnant, will come. And there will be times in which she felt, I don't want to do this. But the Word of God was like a rock. Whether she wanted it or not, it would come to pass. Isn't that amazing? Our faith is an objective thing. It's not dependent on whether I can stir my faith to the sticking place or not. It depends upon the fact that the Word of God has power and it does not depend upon my believing it. But if I believe it, it will work on me. It will transform me. It will work on me. We were in 2018 in a very, very difficult situation in which um, we were in a court case in which we were trying to save the life of one of one of our our family members uh, relatives but because of the fact that to to it's very complicated but it meant that we had to come up against some very serious powers and very serious powers in in the legal and in 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 the financial sphere and we went through this ordeal for how many years? Two years. Not knowing whether we'll be completely ruined financially. Completely ruined. We were just that, that distance away from being completely devastated because of the fact that we believed that there was one person uh, who needed to be saved. Okay. So we just put our, put our money into it. <laughs> It was one of the very difficult periods. And no lawyer wanted to take our case. So we simply went in pro se, which is without a lawyer. And her case was against corporations as well. In the end, God brought us through. And she was able to get through and we were delivered by God. But in the middle of that, the Lord gave me this nudge, right? I'm going to give you a holiday. And I said, where? 
And my own self answered it. Let's go to Europe. I said, Lord, can we go to Europe? Cindy was saying, are you sure? She's much better with finance than I am. I said, yes. Let's pray about it. Okay? If, I, if we receive the nudge from the Lord, no logicalizing, no, 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 no kind of trying to kind of equivocate. If the Lord wants us to have this holiday, He'll give us all the money for that holiday without us having to take out of our savings. It has to be given. How about that? Somehow I had the conviction for that. We had the conviction. And so we said, okay, Lord, if you want it for us, it's okay. If it's not, then it's fine. The Lord gave us the money to various circumstances, crazy circumstances, and we had enough to not pay anything from our own money. Not only were we given, given um, the chance to, to have the holiday, we went to, um, we went to Bath as well as uh, London, and then we went to Lyon in, uh, in France. In each one of these places, except in Lyon, we were given top-class hotels, free, with food provided. How did that happen? It's a miracle of God. But you know what? Through every day, the Lord said, gave me this word, Psalm 23. He gives me a feast. He, he sets a table before my enemies. As we were there, we were right in the middle of the court case. And every day, it was a spiritual discipline to be thankful to God. That the enemy is not on our backs. That, it is, that we can enjoy this. I had to do spiritual warfare to enjoy every day of that holiday. Because the enemy was right there at the door, wanting to knock, to come in and say, like, you, what are you doing? But it's clear that the Lord spoke to me. I was willing to, for, us, for it not to happen, but when the Lord gave, gave us this holiday, we had the best holiday to me that I've had ever. And God, God did that. Amen? But there is a logic that is divine. And it comes when the Holy Spirit just touches you. Just touches you. And you and I want to, want, to, want to understand this. The Holy Spirit never tells us things that are irrational. But He will come to you. And you want to be ready for it. When He comes to you, He will he'll touch you. Very lightly. Very lightly. Not hard. Not hard. Not slap, slap you. He'll just touch you lightly. You have just to be aware not of the, the locked-in situation and the people around you. Yeah. You just have to be aware more of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And it's all logical. Not logicalized, but logical. Amen? Yeah. And that will cause you to be able to speak. Because belief will come when you receive it. Amen? Yeah. And, and Mary said, I'm a bond slave of the Lord. My doubts don't matter. I can doubt all I want, but the Lord's word is not devoid of power. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name that in all this, we don't have to think up your word. We ask you that even now, Lord, 
you slice off that layer of overly overweening attachment to the world's opinions, to how we relate to others other than you. Set us free right now in the name of Jesus. We welcome you. If God's been convicting you, just make a covenant with God today as we approach Christmas through the gloom, through the complex and difficult situations that you're facing. There's a way in which God cuts through the logic of our locked-in situations and gives us revelation. When He comes, you are refreshed. You may not be able to fully understand why you feel so hopeful, but that's hope, a solid thing just dropped into you. And so, Lord, we welcome you. We welcome you. I want to invite anyone who's facing a difficult situation, a situation that is hard to understand, a conundrum, a perplexing situation, just to open your hands and just receive the Lord and say, Lord, I don't need to understand fully. I'm trusting that you are not irrational or illogical, but mysterious. Count in jazz time. And I believe that you have a logic that is beyond mine, which you will explain to me later. But right now, I want to be sensitive to you. I offer myself to you, Lord. Come and surround me. Bless your name. Captivate my heart. Make it all your own. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Don't forget, pray and invite your friends and loved ones for this coming Sunday.